0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: Being an entrepreneur is hard. But it's being 1% better every day. It's taking that action. It's being defiantly committed to your outcomes and just doing what you say you're going to do.
0: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Tim Lyons. Tim is joining us from Mineola, New York. He is a managing partner of Cityside Capital and a lieutenant in the New York City Fire Department. Tim went from three units to 721 units worth over $100 million in just 18 months. Cityside Capital has $45 million of assets under management and Tim is also a partner and 256 multifamily units in texas and in a large retail shopping center in tennessee tim thank you for joining us and how are you today
1: hey ash thank you so much for having me on the show happy to be here and i'm doing great today i'm fired up
2: good before we get started can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now
1: Yes, so I kind of have the very similar story to the people who get started in multifamily real estate. I was a W 2 employee, a husband and a father of three little girls 10, seven, and two. I was working as a New York City firefighter for the past 16 years. And like a lot of other firefighters, we have a couple of days off in between of our 24 hour shifts. A lot of guys do something in trades, or they have a small business, or they do whatever. I ended up going back to nursing school, and I became a registered nurse, and I used to work on the side, most recently as an ER nurse in a level one trauma center. So life was good. I was living the W-2 dream, but I didn't know any better. I wasn't financially educated. I'll, I'll put it that way. And it wasn't until I had this desire to be into real estate for a long time, and I never acted upon it. But. All of a sudden, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like so many people, and I just went down the podcast, rabbit hole, and that just led to so many more learning opportunities. And it really finally led me to starting with that three-family property. I got that proof of concept. My wife had that proof of concept, and I just wanted to go bigger, and I wanted to get into multifamily. I wasn't sure where to go. I wasn't sure multifamily was even for me. I had insane limiting beliefs that multifamily was for hedge funds and private equity guys and stuff like that. So once I finally decided to really get laser focused on multifamily, I ended up getting myself aligned with a coach and a mentor. And that really just poured rocket fuel onto my multifamily career.
2: Who was your coach?
1: I ended up going to the Jake and Gino platform with Gino Barbaro and Jake Stanziano.
2: Awesome. All right. So you had a three family and you're listening to podcasts. You're educating yourself. What was your next acquisition?
1: I ended up getting into multifamily, right? Beginning of COVID, March 1st, I'm in the coaching program and being a New York City firefighter, we got crushed. There's no two ways about it. I work in a very poor socioeconomic neighborhood where people are on top of people and we were just doing CPR after CPR and nobody was making it. And my wife, we had a brand new baby at the time. And she basically was like, I don't know if it's a good idea that you're coming home after doing that all day. I agreed. And I ended up moving out of my house into my mother-in-law's house and she moved into my house to help with the kids. And for eight weeks, I could have been in a bad place, but I turned that into my little mini multifamily university. And I was just up at 5 a.m. and I went to bed at midnight and I went through every single piece of material I could with Jake and Gino, hit all the calls, hit all the education pieces. And I just started picking up the phone and I started calling brokers and I started calling lenders and I started calling property managers. And I think that really led to getting the calls back and getting some reps in underwriting. Very quickly thereafter, one of my coaches with Jake and Gino He was doing a 43-unit syndication, and he and I had hit it off because I think we were cut from the same cloth. We're both from New York, and he gave me the absolute opportunity of a lifetime to join him on that syndication to get a behind-the-scenes look on how that kind of worked. To be quite honest, I didn't even join that coaching program to learn about syndication. I really wanted to do a smaller multi with my family and maybe another partner, so once my eyes were opened to the syndication space, I simply fell in love with it and I thought that I could be good at it. And I definitely headed down that direction. So like so many people talk about the law of the first deal, once that first deal was behind us, very quickly, it was maybe September of last year, October. So maybe we're coming out of COVID a little bit. It's kind of behind us a little bit. It's starting to open up a touch. So people were still acquiring multifamily deals. A lot of the operators who had that experience kept on pushing through. So we very quickly got into our second deal, which is 144 units in South Carolina. And that's kind of just really how the ball started.
2: Well, let's back up. So the person that asked you to join, how was it that you joined them? Was it just watching, observing? Did you help raise capital?
1: It was more of a learning experience. To really kind of see how he underwrote the deal, help with the due diligence, doing little odd jobs, just kind of helping as part of the team. And then right at the end, right before they were about to do their capital raise, there was a conversation, do you think you could raise any money? And I was like, I don't think so. I never tried. So he's like, you want to give it a shot? And I said, sure. So I went out there and Tim, the fireman, Tim, the ER nurse who had never had any reason to raise any capital for anything. Suddenly, I'm going out to my friends and family saying, Hey, I'm a part of this deal. Does anybody want to join us on it? And to my surprise, we were able to raise some money for it. So but that's really how we got started on that deal. And then we continue to asset manage that deal to this day. How much did
2: you raise you personally?
1: Well, it's me and my brother with Cityside Capital. So together we raised 150,000.
2: And that was from friends and family?
1: Friends and family. Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah. What was your pitch to them? Because you're not really a real estate expert, you've got a three family. So how how did you convince them (laughs) to part with their capital?
1: That's a great question. I had been talking to people in my ecosystem, people that were close to me about the three family I was doing. And I think a lot of conversations before I got into multifamily centered on how did I do it and what was my experience like? So I had been having some of those conversations with some of my closer friends and family. But I went out to a lot more people than that. So it was really kind of leveraging the experience of my mentor, my coach. He had done at that point, six or seven syndications, a couple of them being full cycle. So you're working with a team like that with experience. It was easier for me to leverage that experience and segue that into having those conversations with investors.
2: Tim, were there some key moments that got you over your limiting beliefs? Because again, your entire life, you're the W-2 guy. You bought a three-family. The next step in that evolution is maybe a four-family or six-unit. What was it that got you over your limiting beliefs? And was there a moment that you remember where you had that epiphany?
1: Yeah, I think there was a lot of moments. I kept on listening to podcasts and I was hearing cops, firemen, teachers, small business owners, military guys and girls. I'm hearing all these stories about people making it happen, whether it was with big, large syndications or smaller multis. And I kept on saying to myself, well, if they can do it, why can't I? They're W-2 workers. They had a family. So I think it was really, I heard a gentleman in the military and I felt like I was listening to my life via his podcast. We had a lot of the same kind of feelings and emotions and the stories were on a similar trajectory. And I remember I was on a run listening to the podcast. I stopped the run. I hit pause on the podcast. I texted my brother. I said, stop, whatever you're doing and listen to this podcast. It was a moment like that, that I remember that if somebody else can do it, that's kind of like on the same trajectory that I am, then there's really zero reason why I can't. And at that point, I really became defiantly committed to really getting into real estate and the multifamily side at that point.
2: And your company now is you and your brother? Correct. What was his background in real estate?
1: I'm the youngest of three boys. He's the middle guy. And he was a college basketball coach for a number of years. He played college basketball as well. So he kind of traveled the country. And he married a a girl whose family was in the real estate development business out in Boise, Idaho. So after he was done coaching, he took a job with the family business out in Boise, and they built a 77-unit luxury condo complex right downtown Boise. The problem was they were building it in 2006 and seven, right before the GFC, and they ended up getting hurt a little bit. At the end of the day, they came out on top, but he had that experience of doing that ground up development side of the business. And then when they moved back to the East Coast, to Virginia, he got a job with a health and fitness company, helping them to set up new locations they built a couple of trampoline parks. So he has that real estate commercial background as well as the ground up development.
0: We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget to actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk free today or assist you to diversify your investments in Multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved.
2: All right. So in terms of raising capital, now you've raised from friends and family and you close on your first syndication. What's your next steps to raise money from people that you may or may not know?
1: That is the secret sauce, isn't it, Ash? So it's really telling people what you do. And I would hear people raise capital on these podcasts or read books and I'm saying to myself, how are they raising millions of dollars? That seems insane to me that these people are doing it. So I really kind of just got laser focused on the capital raising side and just networking with as many people as possible and kind of getting words. And what it came down to was really having that story to tell people about how I got involved, how I got started, what my journey was like, and then relating it to what their journey could be like. I'm not much different from a lot of people out there. W2, family guy, coaching Little League and girls across on my days off. And I'm just trying to make it happen for my family, just like a lot of other people. So once I was able to kind of tell that story about getting involved in real estate, what's available to people? Because let's be honest, real estate syndications, that's not really something people talk about where I come from and around the kitchen table. So growing up, I never even heard about this. And I feel like real estate, specifically multifamily syndications, They have a marketing problem. People don't know that they're out there. People don't know exactly how they work. So it was really that position that I took by extrapolating that kind of feeling and then bringing it to people in my circle, social media first. And that's kind of how it grew from there.
2: That's a great point. I'm constantly blown away at how many high net worth individuals don't know that real estate syndication exists. Yes. So kudos for going out there and educating these guys. I saw a social media forum post where somebody said, hey, does anybody else think it's BS that people always say, if you have the deal, the money will come? And there was a whole line of people that chimed in. Yeah, that's fictitious. It's not true. Only people with money say that. What do you say to the author of a post like that?
1: I think it's multifaceted. You're hundred percent right. People say you have the deal or you have the money, or if you have the money, you can find the deal. If you have the deal, the money will follow. Yes and no, I would say. You could have a smoking hot deal and it's going to give these crazy returns. But if you don't have any credibility, you don't have a team, you don't have experience, you don't have a message, you don't have a list. It's going to be quite difficult, I think, to really get sophisticated investors on board. Money just doesn't appear out of nowhere, but it's a great first step to have something on the contract that you can go around with. But I don't know. To me, I think it's a fallacy.
2: You think it's not true that if you have the deal, the money will come?
1: Yeah. If you're just trolling some kind of Facebook group and you're looking to find your money that way, I don't think that's the way. But if you have a network, if you have a team, I'm a firm believer that multifamily is a team sport. Then I can see how you got the deal, you got the network, you got the experience, then the money will find that deal.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the network is a big part of that success. How do you guys source deals?
1: We took a little bit of a turn in our business. I would say October, November of 2020. We're both W2 guys. I am not ready to leave the firehouse. I love that job. I still love going to work. And I'm just not at that point yet anyway. But we still wanted to maintain our foothold in multifamily. So we found out that we're pretty good at raising capital. So we ended up getting introduced to a broker dealer platform that specialized in multifamily and self-storage syndications. And it was an interesting model. And the more talks we had with this platform, the more we felt like it was kind of tailor-made for what we were doing and where we were in our journey. So We ended up getting educated, taking some exams and onboarding with this multifamily broker dealer platform where they bring on vetted sponsors to the platform, meaning they go out, they check out their properties, they walk the properties, they do background checks on the sponsors. They make sure that the sponsors are adhering to their business plans. They're paying the investors like they said they're going to pay the investors. And once they go through that due diligence. They're kind of asked to come onto the platform or invited onto the platform. And then on the other side, you have vetted capital raisers like myself. So capital raisers that have demonstrated an ability to raise capital, get their investors educated over the finish line. And that actually take those next steps of studying for these FINRA and SEC exams um, and being onboarded onto the platform. So it's actually a beautiful model. And now we're able to raise capital and educate investors and spend time doing what we love to do. And it's in a compliant and legal manner. So we're kind of checking all the boxes by doing it.
2: That's interesting. So you've got a real passion for raising capital from investors.
1: I never thought I'd be saying this, but yes. I love investor calls. I love meeting new people. I love hearing where they are and then meeting them exactly where they are. Are they brand new? Perfect. I love financial education. I love real estate. I can talk all day about it. And I think having that connection with people, being a fireman, being an ER nurse, being a regular kind of Joe, I've had some success connecting with people that way. With that being said, we've also had conversations with private equity funds and pension funds at this point. So we've kind of scaled up rather quickly, I would say, within the capital raising space. So I'm passionate about it. I pop out of bed every morning and I can't wait to go to my computer and see if anybody signed up for a call.
2: That is great. Tim, do you have a niche of people that you raise money from? Is it people that had a similar background than you? Is it a bunch of high net worth, Wall Street type folks?
1: I would say maybe a third of the capital that we've raised has come from everyday folks, firefighters, cops, teachers, and the like that I knew from being in New York or growing up with them. I would say a third came from wealthier people from our ecosystem growing up. And then third is probably from podcasts and YouTube videos and meetups. Social media, LinkedIn has been a great source of investors for us. But I've been on a bunch of podcasts and that usually results in a lot of emails and phone calls that we can take offline. Um, So that's really where we had the best success. As of late, because we have these licenses and because we have the backing of the compliance and legal and underwriting and the lead broker dealer is a institutional capital raiser, we're able to have these conversations on a higher level with, say, endowment funds and pension funds, private equity groups that are looking at family offices that are looking to have a vetted constant deal flow for them to look at. So that's kind of where we are right now. But again, my passion is with the everyday investor that just wants to know how they can get started, what's available to them, how it works. That's the bread and butter of what I love.
2: And are these all accredited investors or do you have options for non-accredited
1: We do both 506B and 506C offerings. So, although I would say the majority of our list is probably accredited investors, we do have a significant number of non accredited but sophisticated investors. And we bring them on a journey. Once they sign up for our investor club, we have a series of emails that go out with a lot of educational content, calls to action for calls. So, we have a conversation with all of our investors prior to them investing with us because at the end of the day, The biggest downside to a multifamily investment in my mind is that it's liquid. So you're looking at a three to five to seven year time horizon and you can't just go on your app on your phone and hit sell and be made whole in two days, right? That's why I love to meet people where they are on their journey and then make sure that they feel confident and they want to do this because it's a, as one of my other coaches says, real estate is the greatest wealth building vehicle on this planet. I fully subscribe to that and that's what we're doing.
2: This broker dealer platform. Is that a public platform?
1: A public platform. I don't know what you mean.
2: Can you say the name of what that is?
1: Yeah. The name of the platform is just phase one financial. Okay. So
2: is that where somebody would go if they were a deal sponsor or they were Mm -hmm. looking to invest?
1: Usually, the way it works, Osh, is that people will connect with a company like Cityside Capital or one of the other 17 or 18 companies that we are now affiliated with. It's like a direct entry through one of them. On the institutional side, they would go with my lead broker. I don't know if I should say his name or that. That's okay. Um, yeah. So,
2: I guess where I'm trying to go is if I am looking to deploy some capital and mm-hmm. I come to you. Do you gauge my risk tolerance, where I'm at, the amount of capital, whether I'm accredited or not, and then find the right investment for me?
1: Correct. Okay. Yeah, because once you're licensed, there's another hurdle that we have to pass that regular capital raisers don't have to pass, I guess. There's a know your client provision with FINRA, so we have to know a lot more information about them. Then there's also a suitability. We need to make sure that these investments that we're helping these investors get into is a suitable investment for their investor profile. So we take it one step further on our due diligence side to make sure that the investor is protected as well as the sponsor that we're making a good match.
2: So this seems like you have all the fun. You get to deal with the investors. You get to pair them up with the investment, but you don't have to do the underwriting. You don't have to find the deals. You don't have to hire the property management company. You don't have to run the deal. And then do you communicate on behalf of the deal sponsor or is that the deal sponsor's responsibility? So once you match up an investor mm -hmm. with the deal, what is your role?
1: Obviously we're co-GPs at that point on the deal, whether it's a fund or a one-off deal. So we pride ourselves on communication and we have our own portal so we do a lot of our reporting through the portal so that's our value add to our investors is although we work with eight or nine sponsors that have been vetted and we can use all of them as they come up with deals We want our investors to have one-stop shopping at our website on our portal where they can see a list of all their investments as opposed to going to eight or nine different portals and signing up and getting lost and where's my password. So that's kind of what we've been doing. We are in regular communication with the sponsorship team. So whether we're doing monthly reporting or quarterly or whichever the deal is calling for. And then we are communicating with the investors as well as if they have an issue with an ACH payment or they want to know some more information. We are the lead resource for the investors and we can always connect them directly with the sponsorship team if needed.
0: We'll get back to the show in just two minutes. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Here's a problem you're probably not solving for right now. Have you ever had a tenant squat inside your rental and refuse to pay rent? Or are you worried about renting to a serial rent dodger? You've probably used a credit report for tenant screening before, but what if I told you you're missing out on info you need to properly verify prospective tenants? That's a problem. And the solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a summary of a prospective tenant's financial information using bank-verified transactional data you can't get from a credit check. This includes monthly income, payroll, past rent payments, and identity verification. Rentify's reports also highlight non-sufficient funds, overdraft history, and missed rent payments. It's all available at www.trustrentify.com. The best part is Rentify's financial reports instantly verify the full financial picture of a tenant within minutes, so you will no longer have to waste hours or even days verifying their information manually, and you can eliminate the risk of being duped by fraudulent documents and losing thousands of dollars getting unreliable tenants evicted. Visit trustrentify.com and use the promo code fairless for 25% off your first report package that's t r u s t r e n t i f y.com put in the promo code fairless f a i r l e s s for 25% off your first report package
2: tim i'm going to refer to you as a professional money raiser if that's okay
1: yeah well i that. think it's
2: complimentary and hopefully not derogatory at all but how love does that. a professional money raiser get paid you are on the gp side of deals and is there the typical percentage fee up front for the amount that you
1: raise? Yes. I can only tell you how our broker dealer works. I know there's a couple others out there, but generally we're coming into the deal as co-GPs because we're providing that middle market capital. So there's a percentage paid on the capital invested into the deal. And then there's also equity on the back end. So there's a formula that we use. It's not really clean cut as in acquisition fees. But you can picture it as an acquisition fee up front and then carried interest on the back end.
2: Yeah. Seems like a win-win for everybody involved. You intimately get to know the person that's investing, make sure this is a good fit for them. And the deal sponsor has the capital that he or she needs to get the deal done. Are there times where you would get bonused if it's a last minute raise, they're down to the wire? Are there different incentives for you?
1: I guess not yet, because we haven't come down to that. We've been pretty streamlined with the process. Once a sponsor gets a project under contract, they're in very quick communication with our group so that we have a heads up of what they're working on. We can dive into the underwriting. We can dive into the market. We can hash out a bunch of things before them. And sometimes, you know, listen, the last deal, we had a 30-day window from the time we went live to the time we closed. So that's pretty tight when it comes to syndication, but we were able to do that kind of raise. And I think the operators love it because let's be honest, just like you said, they have a really hard job, right? They have the acquisitions, they have the asset management, they have a ton of stuff. And we're able to shoulder some of that investor relations and capital raise for them because at the end of the day, operators can raise a couple million dollars by themselves. And then if they need help above and beyond that, or they have a lot of deal flow and they're tapping out their investor base, They may not want to go directly to a PREF equity group. They may not want to go to a family office. And I'm not discounting any of those entities is that sometimes they want to come in as a JV or they want to have voting rights in the LLC. Sometimes the operators feel like they lose autonomy in the deal. So that's where we come in as that middle market capital to really solve that solution.
2: So Tim, if somebody was a syndicator, maybe they've gotten one or two deals under their belt, how do they come to a group like yours or employ somebody like you? raise capital for their next deal.
1: So this particular platform that we're working from, there are mandates for the operators to have a certain amount of units, a certain amount of experience. So there are some hurdles. And then like anything else, there's an interview process, there's a due diligence process. They do background checks, fingerprinting. They want to walk your properties. They want to see previous business plans and just make sure that at the end of the day, it's going to be a solid working relationship. So that's kind of the value that Greg and I saw coming into this platform is that capital raising can be a funny thing. You can't just raise capital and get paid for it because the fastest way to go to jail, I guess. But you'd also don't want to just hop into bed with anybody because a lot of these real estate meetups and everything, there's a lot of organic relationships going on and that's great, but you want to have that good relationship with people. So that's kind of what we're striving for. We're striving for the good relationship, bringing value, solving their problem. And at the same time, We have a high quality pipeline of deal flow coming through.
2: And what is your pain point right now? Is it investors or deal flow?
1: No, it's certainly investors. We have hundreds of millions of dollars to be allocated and our one little platform can't even come close to satisfying the amount of demand that's actually out there right now. So more investors would be awesome. And then just closing and providing values to some of these pension funds and bigger entities that we're we're talking to because... At the end of the day, we have the high quality deal flow and now we're just trying to play matchmaker with the capital. And there's a lot of capital out there trying to be sourced and placed into deals like these. So it's an exciting time to be in our position.
2: What's the most creative thing you've done to attract investor capital?
1: I used to just post pictures about my kids on social media, <laughs> kind of had to change that around a little bit, get a lot more active. I started a Facebook group for firefighters. We just started a podcast, a YouTube channel. So it's really kind of coming out of my comfort zone and putting myself out there more on social and really just telling people what we're doing and stepping into that education role, which I'm actually loving way more than I ever thought that I would.
2: What's an example where you put your foot in your mouth with an investor?
1: Oh, I would probably cringe if I had some of those first investor calls taped. Like I said, I was fortunate enough to be a part of an education platform that kind of teaches you how to maybe have some of those conversations. But if you don't have that comfort or you don't speak the language right away, there's a lot of stuttering maybe going on and a lot of ums and ahs. So those first calls are probably pretty bad, but I'm grateful for them for sticking with me to this day. So a lot of
2: role-playing would have helped.
1: 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome.
2: What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: It's being defiantly committed to the reason you got started. There is absolutely no way that I would be where I am today if I quit when it was hard or I couldn't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes you, or for me, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right step? Being an entrepreneur is hard, but it's being 1% better every day. It's taking that action. It's being defiantly committed to your outcomes and just doing what you say you're going to do.
2: Tim, are you ready for the lightning round?
1: Always. Love this. Let's
2: do it. Tim, what's the best ever book you recently read?
1: Why Doctors Don't Get Rich by Doctor Tom Cole. I believe it was just a great book about. Listen, these are high-earning people. They go to school forever. The expectation of being paid a lot of money, but whether it's lifestyle creep or paying off their enormous student debt, or really just getting trapped in that. I spent a lot of time in school. Now I have a chance to make a lot of money to pay that back. They end up getting stuck in that cycle. And this book was written by an orthopedic surgeon who really kind of wrote a blueprint for building passive income being open to the real estate investment game. And I think it was super powerful.
2: Tim, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
1: I take almost every phone call at this point, whether it's people who are kicking tires or... They hear a story from one of my podcasts and I love to connect with people because I want them to know that it's available to them and they just keep on taking the action and getting educated that they could also do something similar. So I'm passionate about financial education at this point and I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to make an impact, but that is definitely on my to-do list.
2: And Tim, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
1: The best way is on our website, citysidecap.com. My email address is tim at CitysideCap.com. I was fortunate enough to be a co-author on a number one Amazon bestseller back in April, and you can download a free copy on our webpage, but that is the best way. And also I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn.
2: Awesome. Tim, thanks for sharing your story today, starting out as a firefighter. You're still a firefighter, but wanting to get ahead and getting your RN degree, and then finally finding real estate, multifamily syndications, and becoming a professional money raiser. I think your people skills are what led to your success. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Best ever listeners. Thanks for joining us. And as always, have a best ever day. Thank you.